Welcome to West Virginia Talk with James and Jerry. I'm James. And I'm Jerry. And it is Black History Month. Talk about a former place in the state, but it is really held in high regard with the African American community. It is Storer College. Storer College in Harpers Ferry. Operated from 1865 to 1955. Now, I don't know much about this at all, so you're going to have to be the one that fills us in on the information. All right. So, abolitionist Frederick Douglass called Harper's Ferry the town where the end of American slavery began. Really? The John Brown Raid in 1859. Now, that one we're going to get into another episode down the road because Harper's Ferry in itself is, there's so much to this town, so many different eras of history that it has a footprint in. And uh, let's just say this, uh, John Brown, an abolitionist, I think he was from Kansas, he rounded up some runaway slaves and free blacks, and they got some pikes weapons at a farm in Maryland. And they went into Harper's Ferry to attack it because that's where the national arsenal was. Right, right. And there was this big battle, and they were trying to free slaves, you see. Well, they lost. But it sparked kind of a revolution in the country. They're like, you know what? He's right. We need to, we need to start doing this. I'm not saying that it sparked the Civil War. I'm saying that it was a precursor to the Civil War. You know, that's that was the... That was the climate of the country in 1859. Everything was kind of going that direction. We're like, hey, we got to stop this slavery stuff. We got to stop it. So uh, John Brown uh, and his 1859 raid uh, heralded in the community. I I love Harper's Ferry, one of my favorite places in the world. And, of course, what they call John Brown's Fort in Harper's Ferry is an actual, it was a firehouse. So the firehouse was on the campus of Storer College for almost 70 years, right? Because it's a symbol. Okay. 70 years. Almost. I think it was 1901 to 1960. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it still there? Or no. at least any aspect of foundation or? Oh, it's in Harper's Ferry. They moved it back down. Okay. It's not in its original place because they put like a uh, like a levee. Oh, around where it used to be. Harper's Ferry is prone to flooding, you know, Potomac and the Shenandoah right there together. Lowest point in the state, too. Anyhow, Store College um, in Harper's Ferry, it it was at the conclusion of the Civil War, and a uh, philanthropist named John Storer from Maine uh, and the Free Will Baptist Church in the area, they spent 20000 to start a black college. Because the Civil War's over. Now now you can have the education that you, you always wanted. Of course, it was pretty difficult out of the gate because none of their students had any education. Right. So they had to start from scratch. Now, was this a, a – I don't – it's probably not even significant, but I'm still going to ask it anyway. Was this a black Baptist or was it just Baptist, a Baptist church in general? Did, did I, they say? I, I'm not sure. Now, I mentioned that – the Tuskegee Institute was started in a, a room in a church. Yes. That was a black church. This one, I'm not sure, but if I had to guess, I'd say yes. Right. So besides the three R's, 
they uh, they put out their first catalog and they said besides the three R's, students would receive counsel and sympathy, learn what constitutes correct living, and become qualified for the performance of the great work of life. Wow. I don't know exactly what they're what they meant by any of that. Well, it almost sounds like home economics is well, really what it sounds like because that that was kind of the purpose of home economics was to teach you about living well, how to be a man how to be a, a sure a woman. but this is the way i'm deciphering this learn what constitutes correct living i think that they were trying to integrate them into free society they didn't know what it was to be free right and they didn't know how to run their lives because they were always ordered what to do right they were property so um i think that's what that means so primarily it was a teacher's college but they also offered training in industrial vocations um by the time they closed up they were giving out uh, or they had more students there for uh blue collar type jobs than teachers degrees uh they closed for financial reasons in 1955 but by the time they closed, they educated over 7,000 students. Some of those students were pretty famous, okay? You got a list? I, I have a couple. No, I figured you would. Yes. <laughs> uh, one graduate, J.R. Clifford. Really? Yes. Okay, so uh, let's see. Ella Stewart, one of the first female black pharmacists in America. In West Virginia? No, in America. Oh, in America. Okay. Yes. One of the first black female pharmacists. Uh, A lot of educators, including Hamilton Hatter, Robert P. Sims, Stella J. Sims, and Coralie Cook, uh, who was at Howard University as a professor. Okay. Um, This is going to blow your mind. One graduate was the very first democratically elected president of nigeria nomde azikwe nigeria yes so th- they left after they graduated yeah and then were wow well he was Af- he was nigerian to begin with right <laughs> it was a european colony then but he was the very first democratically elected president of nigeria okay a store college graduate that's amazing it is it I, really I think is. so and then uh, another graduate is our next Person of interest, Don Redman. Who is Don Redman? I have no clue. I'm not going to lie to you. A Piedmont native. I know a lot of Redmans, and I know, and I thought, well, I wonder if there's somebody from the Piedmont area, but I was like, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, Don Redman from Mineral County, Piedmont, jazz musician and band leader. Um, His parents... I guess they kind of gave him a start when it came to uh, being musically inclined. His dad was a music teacher, and his mother was a singer. And what year was that? <sighs> Does it say? I didn't put it down. Okay. I know he died in the 60s. So I'm, I'm going turn of the 20th century. So uh, <clears throat> played clarinet and the saxophone along with the piano. He started with the Fletcher Henderson Orchestra. Then with, <laughs> I'm not making this up. For a long time, he was with a group called McKinley's Cotton Pickers. So he was uh, he was signed with Brunswick Records, who put out some of. Uh, if you ever watched a Betty Boop cartoon, yes. Any time that you saw Betty Boop at a, like a party and they were doing like the swing music, mm-hmm. 
That was Don Redman. Really? From Piedmont, yes. Uh, did musical arrangements for uh, some really famous people from that era, like Count Bessie and Jimmy Dorsey. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, he is inducted in the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame. Now, if you have no idea what Don Redman looks like, sounds like, did any of that stuff, just look him up on YouTube. He's all over it. And it's really interesting, I think. So, Don Redman of Piedmont, we're celebrating him today. So, any idea who Billy Cox is? No. Still alive, Billy Cox. I have not a clue. I'm All not, right. You're going to feel silly because you didn't know this. I always feel silly. Billy Cox of Wheeling, West Virginia, played the bass for the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Oh, shut up. I'm not lying to you. Yes. And guess what? He's the last living member of the Jimi Hendrix experience. What an honor. Really? Isn't that crazy? Jimi Hendrix. So here's, here's how the story goes. Billy Cox was in the military. Um, he was in the airborne and he was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, which I know a little bit about. My brother was stationed there for a while. He was at a uh, whatever you would call it on base where they like show movies for the for the troops, right? Right. So they got done their movie and they went outside and it was raining. So they kind of scattered looking for shelter. So Billy Cox found shelter under the overhang of this stoop of the service club. Okay. Now, right next to this stoop was an open window. And he heard this guy playing the guitar, and he's like, who is that? Because it it was like nothing he'd ever heard before. And, of course, a lot of people said that, too. Okay. So he goes in the service club. There's Jimmy playing guitar and singing by himself. And uh, whenever he was doing a song, Billy went up and introduced himself. He said, I really like your music. It's really, really good. And and Jimi Hendrix asked him, do you play anything? He said, yeah, I, I play the bass. He said, we'll pick up a bass and let's jam. So they did. So they jammed together at the service club the rest of the night. And when they were done, Jimmy asked him, how about we start a group together? And he said, I'll think about it. Okay. So Jimmy was was a solo act for a while and of course they kept in contact so jimmy calls billy out of the blue one day and says hey i'm gonna i'm getting signed and i want you to come with me to england and billy says well i don't i'm really on hard times here okay yeah, he didn't have any money right he didn't have any money he said my four string bass has three strings on it and one's in a square knot or something <laughs> you know he said, I do not have money. He says, okay, I'll tell you what. He says, and it's just funny how he said it because Billy believed him and didn't even think about it twice. Jimmy said, well, okay, when I make it, I'll send for you. Not only did Jimmy have the confidence that he was going to make it. He didn't say if I make it. He said when. Right. And the second thing was that he was still going to remember his friend who was on hard times. Yeah. And he, he stayed true to his word. So uh, he and uh, Jimmy 
played together until Jimmy's death in the, what was it, 71? Jimi Hendrix, part of the 27 Club. So many famous people in that club, but pretty sure it was 71. He, he and Janis Joplin died pretty close right. to each other. So, uh, but the, the, the Jimi Hendrix experience lived on, and, and Billy Cox still played the bass. And, uh, but Billy Cox now, God, he's, he's getting up there, but he still likes to jam with some of these famous guitar players or singers. And, uh, it's just so neat to see him still performing. I think he's 81 now. Wow. I had to look his name up real quick when you said that. And then I felt kind of foolish. Um, <laughs> I told you, but they were, you know, he, he also, uh, did I not say you were going to feel silly? I, I know, I know. But he also played uh, on the night train and the beat in Dallas. Yeah. So, I mean, he's had a very lucrative. Yep. yep. Now, whether he made out financially, I don't know. But the places he played were really top notch. That's right. So, and, you know, Billy's known for playing the bass, but he's also a pretty decent singer, too. I'm telling you guys, check him out on YouTube, Billy Cox. Okay. And I love this quote from Billy Fate is the cards that you're dealt at birth. But destiny is what you do with those cards. I like it. Yep. Billy Cox, true West Virginian. Love it. Now, speaking of music, I'm telling you, and I'm not saying this because he's a Mountain State native. This guy is one of my all-time favorite singers, Bill Withers. I've heard that name. Okay. Bill Withers from Slab Fork. And if you guys don't know where Slab Fork is, it's in Raleigh County where Beckley is. And no, that's not the name of the band. No, it's not called <laughs> Slab Fork. No, 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 no. So Slab Fork, the town he's from in Raleigh County. Bill Withers, famous singer, three-time Grammy winner, and in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just a few years before his death in 2020. Uh, he, it's, it's been almost two years now since he passed away at the age of 81. So <clears throat> Billy Weathers, what's he famous for us? So, well, let's go back to when he was a kid. His dad was a coal miner. Okay. Shocker. Well, yeah. Now this is what he, this, these are his words. And of course I'm paraphrasing because if I could quote all this, I'd be amazing. I'm not going to quote everything. So what he said was a slab fork was a town that was something like you said earlier, separated by railroad tracks. White folks lived on one side, black folks mm-hmm. lived on the other. He said, but black folks moved across the tracks and no one cared. Okay. And I'll get to, I'll get to why later. Okay. And this is what Bill Withers says really sums up my perspective on the state that I love. Okay. It's not white privilege or uh, we don't have percentage-wise, as many racists as what people think we have, okay? Here's why. It doesn't matter what color you are. When you live in the state, you're all kind of in the same situation. We're all in the same boat together. And Bill Withers said this, okay? You listening to me? I'm listening. Okay. He said, we all were in the same economic situation. Right. He said, growing up, we didn't. none of us had much money. He said... But each family would have something that a lot of the other families didn't, and they had no problem sharing it with everyone else. Right. He said, we had a telephone, but the people across the street didn't. But they had an ice box, and we didn't. So we'd let them use the phone, and they'd give us ice. That's the way it worked. Okay? 
Now, that kind of tight-knit community mentality would carry into his career and would be the inspiration for one of his, probably his most famous song, okay? And not a lot of people know this, okay? So he got into the music industry a little late in life where most of these people, they they make it in their early 20s. Well, he didn't make it till his early 30s, okay? He didn't cut his first record until he was 32 or 33 years old, okay? So he's in L.A., and he's writing. He's got a piano. He's doing piano riffs. And he had this this line stuck in his head, okay? And it was, lean on me. And he had... He had the phrase lean on me stuck in his head because he was so homesick and he missed the tight knit community mentality of Slab Fork. L.A. didn't have that. Right. And in his own words, he said, L.A., you could drop dead on the sidewalk and people will step over you for eight days before they even know something's wrong. And he said in Slab Fork and he said, pardon the humor. When you were in the coal mines and you came out, every one of us was black because he was in the mines, too. So the whole thing lean on me. He said racism. If he had to grow up in a southern state, West Virginia would was the perfect one. And it's because when you were in the mines, you had to rely on each other. You couldn't be racist towards someone and then depend on their help when they're in the mines and something goes wrong. Everybody was in it together. And they understood that. Right. So they put their differences aside so they could try to survive. And so when you were in the coal mine, you you leaned on each other, you see? Yeah. So that was the basis of him writing Lean On Me. And, of course, he isn't known just for Lean On Me. Uh, that was his number one, his only number one single, Lean really? On Me. He had two number two singles, Just the Two of Us and did I just try singing on this podcast? The, please disregard well, that. You can sing all you want, bud. Just don't sing more than that's one what you want to call it. <laughs> that's what you want to call it. So just the two of us and use me until you use me Ain't up. Ain't No Sunshine wasn't number two? It was number three. I'm sorry. That's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm kind of hurt, actually. Sure, sure. And uh, one song that you never hear much of, but it's so good, Grandma's Hands. YouTube, Sing that one for me, because I haven't heard that one. I'm not singing it. Oh, no, 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 no. No, because I can't. I don't want to <laughs> do it an injustice. Just YouTube it. Check it out. Grandma's Hands. Awesome song. Now, I'll tell you this. Bill Withers, of course, everyone heard Ain't No Sunshine yes. or Lean On Me or Just the Two of Us. Okay. Um, back in the nineties, I watched Pulp Fiction, love that movie, but I love the soundtrack to it. You know, it's just so well pieced together. So obviously when his next movie came out, Jackie Brown, I had to go watch it. And in the theater, I told my fiance at the time, I said, I have to get the soundtrack. I have to get the soundtrack. So she got me a vinyl Jackie Brown soundtrack for Christmas. Vinyl. Yes. I was still into vinyl before it came back. Okay. <laughs> love the sound of vinyl. Love it. Well, anyway, there was a song on there that I had no idea who was singing it. It was called 
who is he and what is he to you? And it was Bill Withers, and that is such a good song, but you never hear of it. Coincidentally, that soundtrack also got me into the Delphonics and still one of my favorite groups. Love the Delphonics. So Bill Withers, you hear his music in commercials. Uh, uh, Lovely Day. It was in a commercial not that long ago. I can't remember what it was for. <laughs> some guy nice. was rolling. Some guy was rolling down the hill on the sidewalk. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, "Lovely Day," another good song. And we promise you, if you're as big a Bill Withers fan as we are, we're going to try to get someone in his family on the show, whether it's his son Todd or his daughter Corey. We will try to do that, and we'll make it a uh, an episode in itself. So, Bill Withers uh, died two years ago at the age of eighty one. One of the all time great soul singers of the seventies and ever. <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You can't you can't deny that. Well, Dolly Parton was just inducted. I don't understand that. Do you get that? No. Dolly Parton inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> 